Like Almighty One, our sacrifice begins. We commence. Spellberg, a podcast about the Dungeon Call Classics role-playing game. It's time to party like it's 1974. All right, everybody. It's Judge Jeff here. This is my 69th episode. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sad to tell everybody this episode is also my last. It's true. It's true. This is my final episode with Spellburn, at least as one of the judges. I will remember you. That's right, everybody. <laughs> you? Oh, geez. Anyways. <laughs> Some of those might actually be better in post. <laughs> Like, wouldn't, there, wouldn't a real editor just edit that stuff in? Like, <laughs> nah. What? <laughs> nah. <laughs> so I'm Judge Jeff, and today we're going to chat about the good old days of DCC, what things are like now, what we see in the future for ourselves and for DCC, just doing kind of a little personal retrospective for myself, for Jen, for Julian, just kind of see what our what the path behind us looks like, what the path ahead of us looks like. Etc. So, yes, as I mentioned, I'm Judge Jeff, and with me is Judge Jen. Good evening. And Judge Julian. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. So now we're going to head on over to the tavern. Welcome, friends. Good to see you. I only had one drink to calm my nerves. And give her a drink of your most expensive. All right, here we are. It's my um, last time being able to just walk on into the tavern without having to uh, buy it uh, to pay an entrance fee. Or I guess you don't have to. I don't even know how taverns work. Never mind. (laughs) You're just going to keep pounding this one, aren't you? (laughs) I mean, I don't blame you. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I guess I'll talk about um, what's going on with me. I guess, in the main section of it. But for for now, I just want to say um, what's been going on with me with gaming in the past two or three weeks. I've had a session or two of my biweekly D&D game. Um, that's been a grand old time. Um, I've also been... Was that a D&D? Uh, no, it's... A, it's supposedly we're using old school essentials, but at this point, like, it's house ruled to be completely... It's, it's, it's just another... <laughs> like so house ruled version of D&D that it's unrecognizable from anything else. It's just all of the things I like from various um, OSR game systems just kind of smushed into one and smushed so like tightly that like it actually like some of it doesn't actually really work or make any sense, but like whatever, it's still fun. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> do, you use, uh, do you use luck in that? No. Heathen. And right now they are um, they're about to go through a portal to Carcosa. Mm. So we'll see how that works out for them. <laughs> Not well. Um, Jen, what are you up to? Um, freshly back from Indy. Uh, to my knowledge, nobody has died. 
I've actually tested a few times before exposing myself to the, let me rephrase that, before exposing anybody else to uh, anything that I may be carrying. Uh Um, But I was really impressed, guys. It was totally masked. And the two or three people that I saw throughout the weekend that tried to say rah, rah, rah about that, uh, event security was totally on it. And for the most part, Everyone was just like, yeah, this sucks, but we're here. We're doing it. And, oh, my God, we got to sit at a table and game. This rocks. So, yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. Um, I ran DCC Lankmar, three sessions of it. And uh, I entered my games in late. And that meant that there were groups of players, people who normally have their tables together, that they were able to get all six seats at my table. So their entire group could play, but with me judging for them. And that was a completely new experience for me. Uh, The last table included uh, pretty much uh, all guys from the Gaming Honors group. They're one of the third-party publishers. They also do the little hero pins. And that turned out to be far more fun than it should have been. So huge thanks to them, too. Cool. I also saw from your tweets that apparently uh, Gen Con was not quite a ghost town, but at least compared to how it normally is, it was a little weird seeing it as (sighs) maybe not maybe not as empty. Maybe that's not the right way to say it, but just not seeing it absolutely spilling over. Um, and a lot of vendors pulled at the last minute, so there would be these weird spaces in the dealer's room, which was kind of nice because it let people space out even further. Um, but yeah, they had approximately 35,000 for unique attendance, okay. which is less than half of what we had in 2019. Hmm. And without Goodman being there, we really didn't have like that central meeting location uh, Doug Kovacs did come out for Thursday night, so we got to hang out a bit and have dinner and stuff, but not having that after-hour scene really, really changed the feel of everything. I didn't realize um, that Goodman Games wasn't there and that there was no DougCon. No, uh, Goodman said absolutely not until at least 2022. Okay based on the health situation of, well, the world. Sure. And, yeah, without everybody being there, I mean, I know of maybe a dozen of the usual suspects, and some of them we didn't even get to see because they were working for other companies at other booths Mm. and, you know, doing stuff with that crew the whole night. So there were actually, like, three out of four nights that... I went to bed at a reasonable hour and caught up on sleep, and I was like a, a rational human being about it, and it sucked. Otherwise, um, the gaming situation was cool because they had, you know, tables were spread out. There were only four tables in this pretty decently sized room with the JW, hmm. and that was the DCC room. So it was very insular, very kind of, it felt remote. But we still got that that little bit of access to play with, play games with each other, roll dice and everything. And mm-hmm. so that part was cool. The dealer's room was kind of a culture shock and after hours was depressing. 
who were some of the DCC regulars that you ran into? Um, uh, Trevor Stamper, uh, head of the Tales from the Smoking Worm zine. And two from his crew, uh, you had Ed Stanek, Erica Barlow. Uh, Ed and Erica actually orchestrated all of this to put it together for DCC. Oh, cool. Um, Daniel Vance came in. Uh, Chris Nicholson was working for two other booths, so his time was completely wrapped up. And I'm sure there were other people there that we just didn't get to cross paths with. Sure. Sweet. And how about you, Julian? It's been a uh, it's been a fun few weeks. Uh, we have had a few local gaming things going on in the house here, so have been abusing my uh, opportunities to run in in person games with actual pizza and beer. And uh, I guess I guess I'll just go ahead and say it that um, I was going to mention it last uh, episode, but I totally forgot anyway. So uh, the last few games I've run before the absolute last one, I had been working on a conversion um, of the uh, old school Essentials adventure uh, Xanadu uh, for with uh, Singing Flame uh, by Yay. Vasily Kaliman. Yeah, Vasily Kaliman. And awesome. uh, yeah, so we've been converting that to DCC with my buddy Hank Wong, uh, helping out on the editing side. And we uh, have done some playtesting and we've turned in some final edits of that. So hopefully in the next awesome. couple months that uh, product's going to be out there. And we'll cool. talk more about that when it drops. It's uh, If you've never seen it, it's an amazing uh, package in terms of its layout art and everything else. It's a lot of fun. It has uh, some crazy stuff going on there as far as gonzo type things. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I've been working on doing some play testing of that uh, back to 4th of July period. And then uh, the last game I ran uh, in person here was I, I ran a first edition Gamma World game. I uh, ran the Albuquerque Starport. And this is um, my first actual old school Gamma World game that I've run, strangely. So uh, that was pretty interesting. And uh, I have run some Met Alpha, which is fairly similar in some ways. But um, anyway, I uh, had a real blast. Enjoyed that a lot. And uh, I don't have the yearning to do more, but it leaves me going, oh, should I run MCC instead? Or uh, kind of hack them together? Or, uh, yeah, I don't know. So um, thinking about that a lot uh, gave me the MCC hankering a little bit, though, for sure. And then uh, just last night, I was on a, uh, uh, we did a live stream Kalmata game with the evil one himself, uh, Jason Hobbs, and uh, played my first level mage, uh, Idom the Elocritus, and actually had a great night. I was killing uh, four-armed ape creatures and goat men uh, with abandon and kind of had like the dice loved me for a change. So that was a nice uh, twist of fate. Wow. What's that like? Yeah, no kidding. It's been <laughs> the first game I've played in a long time where the dice were on my side. And so uh, that was a welcome change. Uh, and then I also wanted to give a, a shout out to uh, Judge Jim Wampler, uh, obviously original alumnus from our show uh, long, long ago. And uh, Judge Jim has been helping us out with the Spellburn site. Um, for those of you who might not know, he's uh, toiling away on Scientific Barbarian, his 
uh, well, I would say zine, but it's such a nice little magazine that it's almost too fancy and beautiful to call it just a zine. Uh, it's exceedingly well put together. Um, so he's been working on Should that. Should we call it a well as, magazine? Well, it's a kind of a digest <laughs> thing. It's more like a small soft cover kind of. Uh, but anyway, whatever. Check it out and decide for yourself. And email us and tell us what it is precisely. Um, but it's a great product for MCC. Highly recommended. And uh, apropos of that, I am signed up for one of those uh, adventures at GameholeCon with Judge Jim. So I'm looking forward to that quite a bit. Awesome. So now we're going to head on over to summon email. I call upon the flame to summon you. Who delivered the message for me? I came here to give you these facts. Summon email. Okay, I'm going to reach on in here and see what I can find. This one comes to us from Bulgaria. Hey. Uh, Greetings, venerable judges. I hope my letter finds you well and ready to give more Spellburn goodness. My question is, what makes an adventure feel like a DCC adventure? If you were to write your own or take an old D&D one to spice it up, for example, what would you do to bring that DCC flavor? Are there any bullet points or personal guidelines you can share? Lots of love from Bulgaria. Judge George. So, Julian, you're currently in the process of converting Xanadu from old school essentials to DCC. Now this might, the Xanadu adventure might not be a great example because it's already so well suited to DCC to begin with. Um, So I don't know if you want to speak to that or if maybe we should kind of talk about how we would convert something that might be a little more traditionally D and D ish to DCC. I don't know. How do you want to take this? Well, uh, let me just to say a couple things on Xanadu, with a, and then and then I think we it's a yes and to your question, um, essentially. But okay. I will say Xanadu, of course, is fairly Gonzo-ish and DCC-ish already, which is why Vasily was thinking of, um, you know, converting it to begin with, because he uh-huh. knew it would fit right along. So it's more of a question of mechanically. Um, but I will say that um, one thing that's important mechanically is luck, of course. So in, it's not just about converting monster stats and converting saving throws and stuff, although uh, there was plenty of that. More saves than you would at first imagine. But um, I, I was also really looking for places to introduce more luck mechanics, luck checks, and places to spend luck. And there's some very odd little mechanical puzzles and other witchamajoos in there and all that stuff. And so, anyway, one thing that makes uh, DCC feel... Uh, like its own little special snowflake is luck. So uh, that, you know, I'd look for a place to put a luck type of challenge or uh, check or things where luck affects something as a DCC thing. Okay. How about you, Jen? Are there any kind of thematic elements maybe that you would want to bring into kind of something that might be more traditionally written for something that's more trad D&D to make it a little bit spicier DCC? Uh, yes, and. Yeah. <laughs> uh- Absolutely piggybacking on what Julian said. Uh, You have to lean into atmosphere a little bit more, I think. I can't tell you the number of times I've sat down to an AD&D game and this hallway is exactly 10 foot by 5 foot and the ceiling is 12 feet tall. You may advance um, 
in X number of increments, and then you get to a door that is exactly this wide, and the lintel is this deep, and no. <laughs> I mean, tell me, tell me more about what I'm feeling, what I'm smelling, what I'm, you know, what am I hearing as I step through this, the halls of this dungeon? I don't, I don't care so much about what I'm seeing, if that makes sense, because we get it. It's a dungeon. Um, tell me if there's maybe a, a tinge of smoke in the air that I should try to follow to a certain source or, God forbid, the stench of uh, the Minotaur's bathroom, you know, <laughs> something along those lines. Uh, but lean into the weird, too. It shouldn't be a Minotaur. It should be something I've never heard of. Yeah, exactly. My first thing that I would do is any encounter that is immediately recognizable from the monster manual, reskin it. You don't have to restat yeah. it. Keep the exact same stats if you want. Just describe it as looking very different from how it would be de described as looking in the monster manual. Because then you're going to immediately have that air of mystery to, to the monsters that DCC monsters have, which I love so much. Um, another thing that I would suggest is I would say throw the recommended levels that you have in your DCC adventure and in, in your D&D adventure out the window. Run a, mm -hmm. run a D and D game written for tenth level adventurers for first level DCC adventurers. Run a game that's written for low level D and D characters and have some like six level DCC characters run through and just like tear it all up. Um, I, I'd say like or still fall on their face depending on their dice. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But those are some things that I would personally do to kind of bring in some more of that DCC flavor. Cool. So Jen, what else do we have? Uh, looks like we've got one from Judge Dave. Hey, Judges Jay, longtime listener since episode one, first time question asker. I'm an old school AD&D grognard who cut his RPG teeth on the Sutherland cover box set, explored Homlet, died horribly in the Tomb of Horrors, and wielded Black Razor beneath the White Plume Mountain. Nice. So when I discovered DCC RPG shortly after its release, it was love at first dice, and I've been judging funnel runners ever since. Which brings me to my question. The other night, our fourth level Feath, with his luck of 15, suddenly announced he was going to burn six dice six of luck to enhance his crit roll against the big bad we had all been building up to fight in our campaign. And quite simply, he annihilated him. Plus 3d6 damage was fine, but DC 25 fort save was next to impossible. The villain even had a plus seven without fudging my roll. It was the first time he or any of my players had tried this. Naturally, adding an average of plus 21 to any critical roll will utterly annihilate whatever he hits. Furthermore, as a thief, after a few days of rest, he could do it again and again. Based on the rules on page 19, characters can burn off luck to survive life or death situations. Any character can permanently burn luck to give a one-time bonus to a roll. And the same listed under heroic effort on page 360, I really couldn't find a reason to deny this other than pure fiat. Have you guys encountered this? Is there something I'm missing? 
I understand DCC has these moments and abilities that can be very powerful, but unlike Spellburn, which takes a long time to recover from and can have other cosmic consequences, short of custom designing enemies against it, is the thief luck nuke just an unavoidable monster stopper? Thanks for the many hours of chat and tales of adventure. Judge Dave, but he signed it J-D-A-V-E and says the J is silent, a.k.a. DM the DM. A lot of caveats on that (laughs) signature. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, Dave, I'm I'm glad that I'm not the one who had to look that up, uh, but I'll let the guys comment first. Sure. Um, Yeah, I'm fine with this. You know, um, they have to succeed on a on a on a hide roll. Like they don't just automatically get to backstab just because they're behind them or anything like that. Um, So. I'd say, you know, thieves have a pretty narrow scope of like the kind of things that they can, that they're like really designed to do and burning a shit ton of luck and getting backstabby are what they do. So I say, let them burn lots of luck and get backstabby. Cause like, if you don't let them do that, then what else is their class for? Um, that's kind of my, my, my take on that. But what do you think, Julian? Yeah. I mean, um, I guess it wouldn't have to be a, a backstab either because you could you could just shoot an arrow at him from across the room where he's got you in full sight the whole time and then add 66 to your arrow damage, right? But um, he's specifically talking about using the using this on his crit table roll. Um, That's the whole point of this. The whole point of this is he... Crit can, roll. But you could also drop it on his damage roll, I guess, right? You could, but I think the point is that a really high crit is like something insane, really insane is going to happen. Because a lot of the crits have saves involved. Oh, certainly. Well, some of them kind of suck. I mean, once in a while you get one that's not very... uh, (laughs) That's a good point. uh, Where it's not really quite the the thing you wanted, which would be interesting, because in that case you might be like, well, here's what you got, and that's not uh, what you wanted, but so sorry. Um, Anyway, I, I would say... In either scenario, damage or crit, I, I got no problem with it. Um, I, you know, luck is luck. The rules allow it. And, um, you know, the judge, the judge's responsibility is to not, I mean, sometimes it's great to say you killed him and you guys win. You guys played well and you beat the monster and uh, have some experience and let's go to the bar. And that's perfectly legit, actually. But then other times... Um, maybe there should be a few more things that happen when the bad guy dies, uh, and it might not be the absolute most dangerous climactic moment after all. I'm not saying punish them, you know. um, But death throws. Well, or I'm just saying, you know, (laughs) um, good design wouldn't necessarily have a scenario that's all that predictable, right? Yeah, once they get burned by that kind of maneuver a couple times, they might be a little more conservative with that type of thing. Um, or perhaps the villain that they've taken down um, was, let me rephrase that. Or once they take down the villain, there's now this power vacuum here and something way worse steps in as a result of that. So there may be some unintended consequences to taking this one person down the way they did. Well, or, or, or more to the point, uh, just off the cuff, really easy things to imagine if it's Harley Strode Venture, the entire complex starts to crumble and, uh, you know, and, you know, <laughs> right? A very appendix end. 
and and the thief is going to yes. have to make at least one reflex save to get his ass out of there, and he's got a lot less luck to burn. And if he dies and they pull his body out, he's going to have a harder time flipping the body. Or if there's any other traps, and you know, because he's still going to have traps to open now that they killed mm -hmm. the big bed because his treasure box is trapped and all that good stuff. So anyway, you know what? I'm for it. Of and course. Uh, I got no problem with it. That, but that's a good point, too. I don't I definitely don't think that uh, DM the DM should do this all the time. But I do think at least maybe the next time he runs a DCC game where he's got a villain that he's pretty sure that these people are going to pull this pull this with, it might be fun to, after the encounter, have some kind of a luck mechanic encounter where the where the thief is going to really wish he had kept that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Good point. Oh, yeah. Handling X artifact requires a luck check. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jen, what do you think? Um, I think that I might be the most lenient on backstab rules because the book simply says when attacking a target from behind or when the target is otherwise unaware. Oh, it does say so, from behind? Mm-hmm. Oh. It's not AD&D where it's like the target can't know you exist. Uh, but I've had players burn luck to achieve the backstab. Okay. And then I've had them burn luck to ramp up their damage after that point. I think they forget that they can pretty much burn on any roll. So they don't think about adding luck to their crits. I don't know why. But yeah, I'm a firm believer in let them spend it down, man. And I guess now that you're pointing out that it does even work when you're just behind them, I guess from a design perspective and a historical perspective, that does make sense since DCC is built off of Dungeons and Dragons 3.5. And in 3.5, I mean, you're, you're, you're making that face, but I mean, it literally is taken <laughs> from, from that OGL. And, okay. um, and in 3.5, Thieves could backstab when um, they were hiding in shadows or when they were in a flank. And since DCC is not doing gotcha. flanks, they I, I feel like maybe what happened was they they wanted to keep the same basic rules, but make it a little bit more rules light. So instead of having it be in a flank and then describing exactly what it means to be in a flank, they were just like, or if they're behind, whatever. Okay, what's the next <laughs> thing we're working on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, so oh man that's a little true to life yeah okay <laughs> so to cap it i would say jeff though i think you kind of nailed it and with a slightly different interpretation when you said the backstab is the is what the thief does i mean yes i totally agree but maybe more to the point luck spending is what the thief does i mean that's the mm. big thing they do wizards can yeah. spell burn Clerics can keep casting their spells no matter what, and, and thieves get to burn luck. So I don't want to nerf that luck burn, whether it's damage, crit rolls, or whatever they got. Yeah. That's a really good point, because not all thieves have a really huge backstab bonus. You're right. And they don't all have a big luck score to start either. And then at this point, it's kind of like if you're complaining that, like, the halfling is helping too many people. Or, you know, it's like... <laughs> the, it's, that's the way the class is designed. That's what it's supposed to do. I get that it's like breaking your game a little bit, but... I don't know. Let that's, your game be broken. Uh, that's the judge's fault for allowing half ungs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, Julian, Ouch. what is what is the last one we're going to grab out of this bag for this episode? Judge Stefan here writes to us, O Wardens of the Profaned Flame, 
My players have reached fifth level and are becoming more and more difficult to meaningfully threaten. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> to make up for the lack of high-level adventures, I begin using the if the PCs fail bits from the conclusion section of some lower-level adventures as jumping-off points for homebrew adventures. So my question is this. What adventure conclusion seems most interesting to you when thinking what happens after the PCs fail? Thanks, Judge Stefan. Uh, what, who wants to go first? Well, I'll Me? I'll just quickly say I can't I I off the top of my head I can't tell you what a single one of those adventures say in the what happens after the PCs fail. I that's not something that I usually pay any attention to. But uh Jen, yes. Um from the DCC Day 2020 Adventure Pack, The Heist by Harley Stroh for DCC Lankmore. If the adventurers fail, they encounter the gods of Lankmar. And for the first time ever, they have been statted. Good luck. Bye. <laughs> nice. My my own, the only thing I could really think of, and I wasn't, I'm kind of like Jeff, I couldn't uh, immediately think back to a, a part where, you know, exactly what happens after the PCs fail. Obviously something, I was drawn to something kind of apocalyptic and, uh, the thing that struck me, for whatever reason, was Hive of the Overmind, which I wrote. Okay, so that's kind of cheating, <laughs> but it's actually based. Rigged. <laughs> but it's based on Jim uh, Judge Jim's outline um, heavily, which he gave me to start from. Uh, and it's, you know, even though I filled in all the blanks, I think it's based pretty much on his, you know, the central conceit, which is that ants are taking over the world and mind controlling people and forcing everybody into ant slavery or whatever. So. Uh, so anyway, that's essentially gems. So uh, what I'll say is, I would love I, I would love to see the PCs fail, and their next you know so they you know in Hive of the Overmind the PCs wake up in this MCC uh, you know post apocalyptic giant ant burrow as slaves of the ant men, and they have to free themselves and kill all the ants and find out the mastermind and blah 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 do all that stuff. So if they so if, isn't that how it starts? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how it starts. <laughs> But, I mean, of course, they go on an adventure to beat the guy who's controlling the ants and yada, yada. Right. That seems like it could be just a continual coda. Oh, right. If they uh, fail, uh, they're back at the beginning. They, no, no. Well, they, you could, of course, start them right back at the beginning. But even more to the point, you know, if they all TPK, which is, you know, about 60% likely probably. But you could, uh, mm -hmm. you could actually, you know, every time they fail, the next bunch of zeros, like, starts you know, 10 miles away, then 100 miles away in like the in Ant Mageddon. So like that's the ant <laughs> colonies are spreading out over Terra AD. And, you know, or you could just, of course, uh, go go for the gusto and say, well, the ants have taken over the world. You know, you're living in an entire planetary ant colony where everybody is mind controlled by ants and you're the only ones who are not. There's, there's 10 billion ant slaves out there and Somehow you got you twenty people are the not. So uh, okay, what are you going to do? I have an answer now. Oh, I sure. didn't think I was going to, but now I do. Um, open up Morkborg, because in Morkborg they've got all of those uh, random apocalypse happenings. Go ahead and throw in some of those random apocalypse happenings, and give them give them some kind of a hint that this thing is coming. Um, and that they might have a way of subverting it. But um, yeah, let some of that stuff start to unfold in your campaign world. 
Oh, that's a great point. Uh, Warhammer Fantasy, the first edition, we played through the big, huge adventure that was given in the main book. And something like 20 adventure, or 20 sessions in, and we screwed around so badly, we lost. Oh, no. So humanity, well, well civilization, lost. We were no longer the heroes of the story. Ooh. And it, it was one of those crushing evenings. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, you can lose. <laughs> yeah. You don't always win D&D. Okay. Yeah. All right. And with that, we're going to head on over to Mighty Deeds. This is the part I've been dreading. <laughs> Let the combat begin! To the death! Why behold our hero? Huh. We're going to play rough, eh? Let's take this. Mighty Deeds. All right. So here we are in Mighty Deeds. Um, this is my last episode as one of the official Judges J. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. 69 episodes in. Um, and I guess I just want to go ahead and start by saying, like, it's just that I'm so stupid busy this year that I really just need to you know, make some extra time for myself. Even if you just look at me, you can probably just see how like tired these eyes are right now. I'm just like running from one thing to the next and I'm just exhausted. And I love DCC, but right now DCC is not the center of my universe in the way that it literally was for a while. Um, so right now it kind of just makes sense for me to take a step back and focus on some other things at the moment. But that said, I feel like this is a great opportunity for us all to kind of reflect on what our journey has been like so far. So I guess um, my first question that I'm going to ask of each of us, but this time I'll start with you, Julian. So Julian, what was your RPG life like in the years immediately preceding Dungeon Crawl Classics? What were you doing in your role-playing games before it right before in the year or two before you found out about DCC? Hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, I had run a roughly three-year uh, Castles and Crusades campaign, uh, including one or at least one or two of my uh, current DCC, you know, loose affiliation today and uh it was a great campaign and actually actually really like cnc and i still really like it um I, if if for whatever reason i would ended up playing a bunch of cnc i wouldn't complain at all i think it's a great game um but that wrapped up and i was looking to you know change it up and do some new stuff and we fell into that warhammer third edition the fantasy role-playing game well, third before edition. we move too far away from cnc like, do you have to like listen to CNC Music Factory while you play CNC? Is that well, a requirement? You, I, I, you could ask the are they, it helps? Wait, <laughs> and are they the Castles and Crusades Music Factory? No, but there's a <laughs> Castles and Crusades <laughs> Society, I believe. If you uh, no, um, you could ask the society. You have to say it with the right. <laughs> the, you can ask the yes. Chenaults if they're really into the the '80s club music type stuff because that's probably not quite their jam. Um, but you know, Hey, I don't know. But so anyway, I, then I ended up playing this Warhammer third edition fantasy role playing game, which, uh, really did not work. It was like semi card based with the funky dice that fantasy flight started using for their star Wars game later, which I think actually they improved their mechanic. Um, 
it seemed like it was pretty cool at the outset, and then you realized it was like a card scam. And uh, <laughs> not only was it a card scam, but then the rules were going to keep getting more and more and more complex uh, because, and then players could show up with new cards. Well, I bought this new book and I have this new card, so now my character can buy, you know, like, what? Um, I mean, you you could control it more than that probably, but still it just was like, nah. So then uh, I found DCC and uh, that was that was what I needed because I was real turned off at that point. How about you, Jen? What was going on with your role-playing life in the year or two uh-huh. preceding your discovery of DCC? We were already pretty big with the, uh, the FLGS scene. So 2D10 was our store. And we did all of the international tabletop uh, game days, um, free RPG day, etc. cetera. Um, our regular games were, I, I know we had like a either monthly or bi-weekly um, Call of Cthulhu game at the house. I know Troy was running Cthulhu at some other place, maybe Camelot Games uh, up in Fort Myers. Um, and we would meet up at our friend PJ's place for games on a weekly basis, and it would rotate between like the Warhammer Fantasy or Cthulhu or oh, whatever else they tried to cram into my brain at the time and i know that right before this right before free rpg day we were actually playtesting D next okay which was the precursor to 5e yep. and it was it was to the point where we all had to sign the nda and then we all had to hand write our feedback and uh, i think it was into the borderlands and it was, uh, you'll notice D&D Next didn't go anywhere. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I, although the final game was kind of heavily based on C&C, if you actually look closely. But sorry, that's another story. <laughs> yeah, heavily based D&D, on the sure. Castles and Crusades Music Factory. So uh, for me, in the year or two preceding, I had um, been playing 4th edition. Um, and I hated the system, hated it, but regardless of hating the system, I, we actually had a pretty fun campaign going. I was using the Necromancer games, um, Wilderlands box set, uh, as my, hmm. as the campaign setting. And I was entitling the campaign we were working on, uh, the teens of Valon. And actually, I believe if you Google teens of Valon, you can probably still find the blog spot um, blog that we had because and Julian's furrowing his brow in confusion. The reason why is in this campaign, Teens of Valon, in addition to picking your race in the class, you also had to pick an 80s movies movie stereotype. So you had to be like the jock or like the the dits or like the punk rocker or whatever. And the goth. Yeah. So the idea was this ended up kind of becoming like D&D meets like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like you're all these like like moody teenagers. And one of the things that I did is I allowed the players to do blog posts um, as adventure recaps for um, extra XP. And, and And it was an actual blog. And like that blog has like some of the some of the players were like writing poetry from the perception of their like angsty <laughs> characters. And it was pretty great stuff. Like I really loved that Teens of Elon campaign. And it probably went on for about two years. But like I just I, I got burnt out on it. 
And there was a group called Redbox New York, which was doing a bunch of like old school gaming. So I started kind of hanging out with them and started experimenting with different games. And that's kind of when I stumbled onto DCC, which is going to be now my next question. I'm sure a lot of us have talked about how we got into DCC before in other capacities, but I feel like this might be another opportunity for us to kind of share that story again. So since I'm already rambling, I'll go ahead and dovetail this into my, my, my story here. So once I started hanging out with the New York Redbox group, I had purchased the um, Dungeon Crawl Classics book. I was, I believe it was the first or second printing and <clears throat> excuse me. And I oh, that's loved right, because it. it was it was a few years after it came out. Yeah, I don't remember what year this was. I can probably find it. I think it was 2013 that I, I bought the book. And in 2013, I bought the book. I thought it was amazing. And my buddy, Adrian Romero, um, he convinced me to sign up to play, to, to, no, to run Sailors on the Starless Sea for the New York Redbox group. And I did. Even though I had never even played DCC, I'd never run DCC, I didn't really know anything about it. And 16 players showed up. Oh, and I for was a just funnel? like, yeah. And oh. I didn't know what I was doing. And it was a big mess. And <laughs> and then and I felt bad because it was it was just such a disaster. And then the second session had two players show up. So um yeah, I, so it felt a little bit like I had failed somehow, and I and I felt like I needed to like put DCC away, so I did, and then I started kind of like writing my own little system, but I kept realizing that like basically everything I was writing, I was just like subconsciously stealing from that cool game I had played once like a year ago, um, and then I realized like no, I just really need to play this DCC game, so that's when I like decided I was going to really like dedicate myself to like learning about this game and playing it and getting good at running it. Um, so that's kind of my history with it. How about you, Jen? Uh, free RPG day, 2012, Troy said, well, Hey, um, there's this game. I, I downloaded the pre-gens online. They, they had them on the website and I was like, what? And he sat us down to play the undulating corruption. And that was, I, I was the cleric and I was like, damn it. I'm sick of playing the cleric. And 20 minutes in, that's when I was tugging on Bob's sleeve. After all this time, honey, 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 this is it. This is the one. I'm running this. And uh, poor Cleon, the guy running the store, I I think the credit card's still stuck in his forehead. Uh, He flung nothing across the store. (laughs) And uh, as we say, the rest is history. Awesome. And how about you, Julian? Your beauty... I was, uh, I'm just going to read this. DCC RPG is a flavorful game that aims to bring the old school movement to another level of production quality and genre flavored design. It succeeds. Some will find it perhaps too true to its mission and the way it casts off the assumptions of post 1982 D and D. I found it refreshingly true to the roots of old school games and the sword and sorcery genre. It may not appeal to all gamers, but I think it will have a passionate core audience. And that is from the review I wrote of the beta rules on June 15th, 2011. So a little more than 10 years ago. Um, And I I remember uh, running the... (sighs) The uh, 
Portal Under the Stars, I believe, as well as the Infernal Crucibon, the uh, the Infernal Cinnabon of um, Cesarecon, <laughs> and uh, the fifth level adventure in the, the in the book. And uh, Andre Solo, by the way, uh, screwed the try to. I think he did succeed in screwing everybody in that adventure and escaping and trapping. Well, anyway, that's a long story. But anyway, um, yeah, so it was a little over 10 years ago. Uh, love at first sight. Found those beta rules, and I just, I knew it was for me. And off and running, I ran Sailors three or four times right away. And that first Gen Con where they weren't there, where Joseph was, wasn't there and there was no booth, I ran it, like, off the books at least twice and, uh, you know. I, I, I went to Gen Con and I was trying to find people to play DCC with on the internet and I sat down at a table with four people, I'd, or three people I'd never met. Wayne Snyder, Adam Miskevich, and Katie Miskevich, uh, although she may not have been wow. married at that point. So anyway, um, it was quite a bit of fun. And you pulling up your old review made me realize I could actually pull up my old emails with Adrian Romero talking about planning this. And yeah, it was... August of 2013. So it was eight years ago. No. Sweet. Now, um, Julian, what are some of your favorite DCC memories? And by that, I mean, like, what are some of the highlights of, like, being involved in the fandom, being involved in the game, the people you've met, the adventures you've had? I know there's a lot of stuff we could talk about here, so it doesn't have to be an exhaustive list. But, like, what's one or two memories that you have that you just, like, really hold dear to your heart? You know, uh, I just, I think in that early going, it was, uh, there was such a community on G+, such a crazy anything goes type of Uh, vibe, and um, people were just learning the game and having fun and arguing about stuff, sharing music, Doug's old music uh, G+, group. (laughs) Uh, I mean, just that alone, I found so many great bands, and and that G+, community was... uh, Something that'll, I know you guys have a really active Facebook group and stuff like that. I maybe Twitter, there's a lot mm-hmm. of action, but mm-hmm. I just don't no. think it can. There, there's a lot of bodies, but that's about yeah, <laughs> the, it, it does not hearken back to G. Plus. It, it, it probably can't really quite be replicated. And, and I would say Mm-mm. the other part of that, which can be replicated, hopefully in the post COVID world, because it's still crazy and awesome. Um, as as recently as uh, you know, two years ago, uh, you know, DougCon at the Embassy Suites uh, at night after you know a full day of GenCon is still wild and woolly and has most of that spirit that it ever did. So, um, you know, the those sitting down at those games with Doug when I had no idea what to expect and being handed a zero level guy <laughs> on a tiny quarter eight by twelve sheet and. Uh, sitting next to some Bob Brinkman dude who immediately killed me and turned me into a ghost. And then I'm like, okay, I guess I'm done. And Doug's like, no, you're a ghost now. Now you have one hit point and you can possess people. And, you know, you're not going anywhere. You stay there, you know? And I'm like, uh, what? Uh, okay. So, uh, and so then I was uh, haunting people. I, and I guess you could say I've been haunting people for about nine years since then. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, those, those kinds of memories, there's been a ton, but, um, how about you, Jen? I mean, I'm getting misty sitting here thinking about it. Like it's, like you leaving means it's all going to be over, Jeff. You're you're wrecking my brain. Um, yeah, smug bastard. 
Uh, I mean, from the start, when Troy finally got me to say, fine, I'll start a G-plus account, and I introduced myself to the DCC group, and Harley Stray was the first one to welcome me. Mm, sorry, forever fangirl, you're never going to leave me, or l- lose me at, at that point. Don't, don't ever leave me, I will haunt your ass. Um, the welcome from the G-plus crew, my first Gary Con. I think it was 2014 then. Because we were going to sit in and... I mean, I'm, I'm so used to being at places where everybody knows Bob. And for a change, he was my plus one. And that was a hell of a feeling. Uh, after that, I don't know, this weird podcast thing? I, Yeah, it, it's just been kind of crazy. Um. I, I was just reminiscing the other day about the very first adventure I was asked to play test, and it was uh, the the one by Daniel Bishop. Um, I'm gonna blank on the name of it just because I'm like in the moment here, but I think it was uh, AL four. Yeah, yeah, that one. Um, yeah, there it it's been a long nearly a decade. Uh, yeah. Stuff and things and there's been yeah, so so many awesome moments where you get that feeling of okay, is this what it feels like to level up? All right, let's do it. Bring it. What about you, Mr. Goad? For me, you know, once I had decided that I wanted to get good at DCC RPG and like get really into it, first thing I did is I started listening to Spellburn and immediately fell yeah, in love with those Spellburn. Hacks. <laughs> <laughs> and I immediately fell in love with the show. And I heard them talking about how they go to Gen Con and how they go to Gary Con. And I'm like, I'm gonna go to Gen Con and I'm gonna go to Gary Con. So <laughs> so I did. And I remember that first Gen Con that I went to, I met Jen and I was super starstruck because there was Jen from Spellburn and she was super nice and very welcoming. And so was everybody else. And I got to um, watch a lot of the great um, judges and writers of adventures play games. I got to playing games that they were running. I got to... Even if I didn't get to get into a game that they were running, I could maybe go and like stand around for like five minutes and watch them do it. And I just, I was so inspired. I, I don't think I have ever been more inspired since my initial inspiration than um, like, like I didn't, I didn't have that feeling of excitement that I had that that 10, 11, 12 year old Jeff had until I was like, like going to Gen Con and like watching people play this and playing it too. I loved it. I completely fell in love with it took that love with me back to New York and started the DCC NYC meetup group. And that was incredible. And I've made a bunch of great friends through that. That's where I met Hoy that I, who I do the appendix and book club podcast with Andrew Sternick, um, Andy Markham, like all these awesome people. I got a chance to meet through the DCC NYC meetup group that I was going to like drinking and dragons up in Connecticut and hanging out with like Brendan and Tim and Joey and for me, like one of the big culminating memories is when we won the any and specifically like we got that any 
And I remember Julian was running a game. So it's just me and Jen in the in the award ceremony. And first off, me and Jen, neither one of us had ever been to an Ennies award. So we're like chatting. We're like whispering, like, are we supposed to have a speech prepared if we win? And, and we're like, I don't know. And the first category was for best website. And the silver person, the silver award winner wasn't there. The gold winner wasn't there. The next category was best podcast. So silver was announced and we won silver. So we were the first people of the evening to go up on stage. And me and Jen still didn't know if we were supposed to like have a speech or not. So Aww. I just remember kind of like nervously <laughs> staring at Jen while she like talked. <laughs> but what, there are words. I could pull them out somewhere. <laughs> but what was really amazing is afterwards, Jen and I went to the big, the big room where everybody was playing DCC games and Julian was running his game. And we came in to bring Julian his his any. And when we did, like the entire room just like burst into applause and it was like a stand, standing ovation. And it felt like those like cheesy moments in movies where you just like roll your eyes because like that stuff never happens in real life. It happened in real life. And it was this like really amazing, beautiful moment. I remember the walk back afterwards. I remember stopping and telling you to bottle that. Yeah bottle that feeling because you don't know if you'll ever come across something that wild again. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the, the last thing I'm going to say about this is, um, you know, it's kind of personal, but, um, I've never really felt safe around straight men. I just haven't like as a kid, most of my friends were straight girls then when I was like an early adult, I was mostly just like hanging out with lesbians and going to lesbian bars. Then I became very comfortable hanging out with gay guys. I never had close straight male friends until I got really into the DCC community. And like for the first time in my life, I was actually in environments that were predominantly occupied by straight men. And I was accepted and I was making friends. And that was also very healing for me because I had a lot of fear and discomfort around all of this stuff. So that was also kind of a very important thing for me emotionally as well. And I'm really grateful for the DCC community for making that a safe place for me to be myself in. That's really important. Yeah. And I will, I I will add that on a personal level, I've come to realize in the past decade that DCC came around just at the right time. Mm -hmm. And there are some points where I'm like, if I didn't have that, if I didn't have that linchpin, I don't know that I would have fully survived. Yeah. Or come out intact. Yeah. And here we are thriving. It's kind of bizarre being like a grown up and crap, right? <laughs> so, so a long time ago, four or five years ago, I was at Gary Con on a bench and Hanging out, Brendan was like napping, and somebody. <laughs> I was like out in front of the restaurant in the lobby of the of the thing. It was like Sunday after all the madness, right? And everybody's trying to recover and you know sleep deprived. And some some I get introduced. Everybody's walking by. I get introduced to this guy who worked for some other company, like um, Frog <coughs> something like I don't know what it was. But <laughs> it, Bless you. <laughs> sorry. But he, but he's like, oh, you do stuff with Goodman and DCC and stuff. I'm like, yeah, sure. And he's like, oh, you know, what is it with the DCC? Because you guys have these such, such these passionate fans, and 
you know, everybody, it's such a like community and a scene and people are so locked in and it's, you know, and like our stuff is good and we have good art and we have, you know, whatever, but it's just not the, you know, the same. And I, and I, I got what this guy was asking. Right. And, uh, somehow I, I, I think I had to say something to him. Like, if you, if you don't get it, I can't explain it to you. Like yeah. it's kind mm-hmm. of unique. You guys are like doing a cool version of D and D, and okay, it's cool. That's you know, I played it. It's fine. Uh, it's it doesn't suck, and some of your stuff is great. And hey, you got Errol at his cover on that Swords of Wizardry book. That's pretty cool. But um, but this is different. You know, it's just a different scene. It's a different game. Yeah, you know, if you're on the outside, I can see how it looks like that. If you're on the inside, you're like, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> go talk to Paul Wolf. Go talk to you know, yeah. uh, you know all the. It's about the people, really, right? I mean, I'm just one a thousandth of the people, right? Like it wasn't for me to explain. You have to be in the mass of the people, you know. And and I realized uh, what was it? 2019, the last time we actually had that huge booth scene, right? There's probably 20, 30 people volunteering their time to work at the Goodman booth, which is pretty amazing in and of itself. And I looked around and I realized there was not one person that I would not stand up for. And every single one of them in turn had my back. And this is why they are my family. I love it. And this is a good uh, transition into the next question, which is where are you right now with your love of the game and your relationship with DCC? And for me right now, you know, I, I still, I love dungeon crawl classics. It is. And there was a period of my, of, of my life where it was the only system I was interested in playing. That is not where I'm at anymore. Um, and I still adore DCC. I'm going to keep playing DCC and I'm going to keep coming back to DCC. But it is not my current obsession, um, which is also part of the reason why I feel like as much as I love being a part of Spellburn, it also feels like it's maybe time for me to take a step back because I am so busy. But also this might be an opportunity to bring in another voice of somebody who maybe is as passionate about DCC as I was maybe three to five years ago. Um, so I want to be able to make space for that. hard, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with my love of the system right now. Jen, I believe you have some news to share. So I don't, but I'm not next. Julian's next. (laughs) (laughs) I'm making you next. Worth a shot. Um, hi, I'll be your, uh, customer service department and booth manager for conventions. Uh, the call went out some month or two ago for a single position. And during the process of the funnels of interviews, because there were four interviews, (laughs) uh, it, it, during that process, it kind of got split up and it became evident that one person's strength was going to be in the physical convention scene and the other person's was going to be in 
things like Twitch and the online conventions and facilitating all of the stuff that needs to be done. Like right now, we've got Empire of Cyclops Con coming up, I believe the first weekend in November. And it's going to be a great time. I've seen the map. It's going to be amazing. There's going to be all sorts of special events going on, which is great. I'm happy to participate in them. I'm happy to play them or run some. I'm having the wherewithal to put them together and do 100% of the brainstorming on and problem solving for all of the, the Twitch stuff. I'm capable. It's just not my bag. And it's really funny because speaking with um, Mike Blakeman, I believe is his name, uh, who ended up with that side of it. Uh, he's also grateful that I have the physical part, which he wasn't that experienced with. And I'm like, yeah, this this is my home. This is what I this is what I thrive on. And so I'll be interning with Taco at GaryCon. Nice. And um, I've been on the clock since, uh, oh, <laughs> maybe four, no, three days after we got home from dad's service. So uh, it, it was a big old... Yep, gotcha, Dad, loud and clear. Okay, I'm I'm where I should be. Uh, what does it What does it mean to all the editing work? It's, I'm sorry, to what? To all the editing stuff, because you do quite a um, bit. So are you going to do less of that? It is or a part time amount of that. Well, it's a part time gig. Okay. Especially right now, there's like uh, maybe ten to fifteen hours a week. It's not part time right during now. Gen Con week. nor in the time leading up to it. Uh, But my feeling was it was time for a bit of a career shift. And I've I've structured things enough on my side of all of the other avenues that we've got going that I can do this. And it will actually, it has actually helped me carve out the time that I need for the editing. So that sort of structure is what I was really craving. Hmm. So it is currently your plan to continue editing at the same volume that you currently have been? Um, we're going to say yes, because what the actuality was versus what was planned has always differed. Okay. Uh, but I will remain on board for the licensed products. Perfect. And is there anything else you want to say about your current relationship with DCC or your current love of the product? Or should we go ahead and move over to Julian now? Um, I've always stated that the greatest asset of Goodman Games is the DCC community. And y'all don't show any sign of slowing down. So I love it. All right, Julian. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, I'm, I love it. I'm still... Uh... I'm still neck deep in it. I'm having a blast. Uh, I've been, you know, I've written probably, gosh, eight or nine adventures now for Goodman. Uh, Seems like more. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But uh, not all of them are out of the pipeline yet. But, um, but you know, that's, they've evolved quite a bit from where I started with a lot of help and, you know, getting, I think, better over time. And, uh, you know, so I feel like I'm kind of not at the end of my journey, just uh, learning my craft still and getting better and, and evolving and working that way. But um, 
you know, so I'm I'm still heavily engaged. One one thing uh, that has been really great has just been working on different kinds of things. You know, working on a, a second dying Earth adventure now. One of the stretch goals uh, involved in that. Yeah, you get to work hand in hand with Aero Lotus on that. Well, uh, my heart bleeds. I'm, yeah. Well, <laughs> I I'm I'm writing one and he's writing one. Um, I don't think he's, he's I don't think he needs much help. I mean, I've he's got a blank check. Maybe just the stats. Yeah, a little maybe, bit. I don't know, but he doesn't appear <laughs> to need much help, which is not going to surprise anybody. Um, anyway, he'll he'll let me know exactly what he, what he needs or doesn't. So I'm, no worries there. But um, you know, I think. Uh, one thing is I, I ran a three-year campaign and made some terrible, well, I don't want to say mistakes. I made some interesting, you know, kind of homebrew uh, decisions in that, which uh, will not be repeated. So I, I think I've got a good idea. You know, I've, that was a, by far the longest DCC campaign I ran. So just as a judge, putting away any writing or any of that jazz, you know, just as a judge, like, I want to, my next, D, first of all, my next DCC game is going to be an MCC game probably or some kind of combo with other stuff, but then, or maybe an America MCC or whatever. But then when I go back to DCC, I'm going to keep luck and I'm going to, you know, keep spellburn and spells and na na na, but I'm going to scale things back uh, a little more brutal, you know, get a little more OSR ish about it. Like, um, so I, I think I'm going to. So Dying Earth. <laughs> well, may, yeah, I mean, well, I wouldn't mind running a Dying Earth campaign perhaps either. But, um, but I mean, definitely, I think there's, um, let's just say Fleeting Luck from Lankmar was probably not meant to go with clerics and blesses and halfling luck and all that stuff, right? So I think... I think the next time I'm doing all that stuff, because um, we just kind of did this big kitchen sink thing. So I think, you know... Um, well, I'm pretty sure that that just means keep all the fun rules and get rid of halflings and clerics. Well, that is kind of the way I'm going. Or, or if I keep clerics, you know, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to be a little harsher in disapproval, but if for sure get rid of halflings and probably get rid of fleeting luck. It was, I think it's more fun in a con setting and that kind of stuff, but in a campaign... I mean, it has a... I could see that. You know, you know I think uh, I'd go away from that, at least temporarily, you know. If I was playing Linkmar full-on, you know, maybe, but... Now, do you run these games uh, online with your Minneapolis crew? I had been running them uh, in person, and then we finished the last 10 or whatever, a 10-ish games online, fully online. Um, the last one was right just as we were getting finished vaccinating and before we started doing a few more and a few finally in person. Um, but yeah, I, I think the game, uh, I, there's so many different ways to play it. You know, there's X-Crawl, there's MCC, there's America, there's, you know, a zillion zines with takes and subtakes and everything else. Uh, and obviously people are passionately in favor of house ruling and throwing in what you like and taking out what you don't like and all that jazz. So, yeah. um, and I love to play the old game. I had a blast last night just playing whatever uh, more or less OSE-ish thing that Hobbs was running last night. It's like turkey and stuff, uh, stuffing and mashed potatoes, right? I, I just went right into that and uh, had a blast. Oh, sleep spell. Psh, I believe that's four plus one hit dice, Hobbs. You know, uh, it, you know there's... there's uh, so that's fun. But, um, you know, I, I, I still... 
I think there's enough variation in the game that it's that keeps me pretty interested. And this is a great segue to my final question for the evening is what does the road ahead look like for you? What does the future of your 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 interest and love of the RPG hobby look like for you, Julian? Hmm. Um, that's a great question. I, I don't really, um, as a freelance writer who doesn't strategically plan anything with products, I can't really tell you because I generally get handed assignments and I generally say yes. So um, I have no clue exactly what I'll be working on in six months. Um, so I'm not really sure, but um, I would love to do some more work on MCC, uh, dip into some X crawl, uh, and do a bunch more, uh, you know, maybe team up with Reed and do some more America eventually. Uh, I've got a third party thing that's out there, uh, hopefully published. So I, I've got a bunch of stuff in the hopper and, you know, everything comes to an end. So if, if, you know, eventually if uh, we part ways. I would probably scale it. You know, I can see doing some self-publishing kind of like McKinney does, who in a lot of ways is, uh, you know, the the designer I admire the most. Um, doing some real low rent, kind of low production value, but just put that stuff out there in a sort of Teagle Manor-ish kind of way, two-column text, low, not much art, and, uh, you know, just, just have some fun and see what happens. You know, I kind of think of myself as a judge first, I, I certainly love being a writer and stuff, but I mean, I, I game to game. If you said, well, you can write or you can run games, I'd probably have to run games. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. so I'm always going to be trying to run games and run campaigns. Jen, what's your road ahead? I would love to get back into running games on a regular basis. Yeah. Uh, this this past week was awesome. DCC uh, specifically or are you thinking about also trying non-DCC games as well? You know, having the different flavors of DCC available really helps mm -hmm. helps it feel not stagnant. Mm -hmm. So DCC Lankmar, totally my jam. Fleeting luck the whole way. Yeah. But let's do it. You know, here's your starting scenario. Tell me where we're going. Uh, in fact, that's how all three games were. They were just essential sandboxes um thank you bob and brendan for the inspiration on that one uh, my notebook's starting to look a lot like brendan's um i'm not sure what quote-unquote free time will look like i mean i'm i'm pulling light duty with two podcasts and a, a handful of uh editing projects and you know, it, it's also kind of nice just to have a little bit of downtime once in a while. So I th think I'm probably going to take the next month or so to recharge and reestablish a routine. And you know, we'll see where things go. But, you know, a, a year from now, I don't see myself uh, leaving. Yeah. I, I mean, if uh, leaving the community or, or the publisher, if, if, if that's what we're angling towards. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> <laughs> just no but i i think there's some really big things in store for the company overall mm -hmm. and i am stoked to write it out and see what happens very cool and then for me my road ahead yeah you yeah 
So um, I still plan to keep playing DCC. Um, right now, my so I've been, since since COVID started and lockdown started, I, I I started a online game with a bunch of my friends from all over the country that we've been playing once a week, um, and it's the the OSE um, bastardization I was talking about earlier. And although I've I've never loved online play, I much 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 prefer in person. I love mm-hmm. this group of people who I play with so much. <laughs> we are having such a great time that like I can't see myself wanting to stop this group and start playing just in person again because this group is so much fun. But we have been playing the same campaign for years at this point, or at least like a year and a half. And I am starting to see that I would like to maybe start playing with more finite boundaries around the systems we're playing. <laughs> so one thing I would potentially like to do is I'm not going to be switching anything up until I graduate in May. But one thing that I'm fantasizing about is with my group, um, maybe every um, every I almost said every semester, every season, <laughs> that's where my brain is at right now, every season switching to a new system. So I think it would be fun to like spend winter with Dungeon Crawl Classics, then spend the um, spring with Monster Hearts, and then spend, spend summer with like AD&D. I don't know, just kind of hop around, try different things. That sounds really fun and satisfying to me. I'm going to continue to go to conventions, especially Gary Khan. I would like to add Gamehole Con to my mix. I will not be going this year, but I pro- I'll probably be going next year. I might be done with Gen Con for now. Um, I'm not sure. We'll see. As for podcasting, the Appendix N Book Club is going to continue. Um, so if you are a fan of that show and you're listening to this and you're like, oh, God, is Jeff leaving Appendix N Book Club too? I'm not. I'm still doing Appendix N Book Club. And for the record, that does not mean that I love one more than the other. Yeah, my, yeah. I know. But <laughs> my justification is that um, I still feel very, very passionate about the literature I'm reading as a part of that podcast. And I'm feeling less passionate about DCC. It's not a reflection on DCC. It's just my relationship with it right now. And I would like to give somebody else an opportunity to step in and express their passion and love for the game. So if you were to leave Appendix N, does that mean there'd be an opportunity for someone else to step in over there? I don't know. He, he, he. (laughs) (laughs) Just thought I'd throw that out there. You know, I think Hobbes would be perfect. (laughs) Well, first, I mean, teach him to read and then um, cut him him loose. Harsh. (laughs) Nothing but love, man. Gang, we have an episode. This is the end of my 69th episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that, that's about how mature we were. Yeah. <laughs> when I first met you, waiting to go up in the elevator to, to sketch this place for a folding party. Yep, yep. Yeah. We were so awkward. <laughs> so this is the last episode that I'm going to be an official co-host on. I may be a guest in the future. Who knows? Um, but this is my last official episode with the with Spellburn. So I would just like to leave you all by saying... You've been listening to Spellburn. Copyright 2017.
theme song has been graciously provided by Glitter Wizard. Learn more at glitterwizard.bandcamp.com. <laughs>